1: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: I see a lot of men here, and some of you men are really strong men, and it's hard for you to say I love you except maybe at a momentary or romantic time. But for us to really look to God and say, I love you, might be a little bit more difficult. But at the same time, I know that if you really know the Lord inside of you, you really love the Lord. So whether you say it outwardly or you express it in some type of outward emotion, that's not the point. The real point is, do you really love the Lord? And have you told him, even if it was silently, Lord, I really love you. And most of you probably will, in the affirmative, say, yes, I really do love the Lord. I try to. I want to. I think I do. Yeah, I really do love the Lord. Well, one of the ways you demonstrate your love to the Lord, it says, if you love me, Christ says, you will keep my commandments. Now, some people say, well, if I really love him, then I'm told to keep his commandments. Well, actually, the construction of it in the Greek is more like... If you love me, then you will be keeping my commandments. In other words, the love for the Lord will be so strong that it will follow naturally, or in this case, supernaturally, with the desire and a fulfillment of keeping his commandments. But it's born out of our intimacy with the Lord and our really love for him. So guys, it's okay to love the Lord, whether you say it out loud or in your heart. But what God really wants us to do is to demonstrate it with our life in fulfillment of following him. Now again, that's spoken to those who know Christ as Savior. Today's message is called, What Does Real Faith Look Like? It's interesting because the world today is really looking for things that are real. In fact, if you put the word real or authentic in front of it, people kind of perk up. You know, I know at the uh, at the flea market and the swap meets, they have those knockoff purses, and they're not real. But when you have a real coach purse, I mean, then you want to kind of kick it around in front of you. You've got an authentic thing. And so people do that. They'll want things that are real leather or real coffee because they think it's worth more. It's more valuable. In fact, there was a time there was a television show called Real People. Today they call it reality, real programs about real people. I also think in terms of the book that was written a long time ago. It says, real men don't eat quiche. And then when I was part of Promise Keepers, they would have emblazoned on these T-shirts that the guys would wear. Do you remember what it said? Real men do what? Sing loud is what it said. Now, I know they love the Lord, but real men sing loud because they really wanted men to know that real men, they don't just go, they really let it out. Well, you know, it's interesting because during this passage, James is going to teach us about what does real or authentic faith look like. Now, yet there's a real controversy. The real, is, the real is because in much of the New Testament, you're going to hear the biblical principle about salvation, being saved or going to heaven or having eternal life, is strictly by faith alone. In fact, you'll hear it from this pulpit nearly every Sunday that going to heaven is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Everything is born on just by faith in Christ. The New Testament is just over and over talks about that. And then you get to the book of James, and James says it's faith plus works, and then you can have eternal life, so to speak. And so now you've got this great controversy. Now, if you take you back in church history, you're going to come across that the early believers really understood that going to heaven was by faith in the Lord. And they also were beginning to understand James' message that says, yes, it is by faith alone that gets you into heaven, but you demonstrate your faith outwardly by your works. Otherwise, in front of people, your faith is useless. And so he was really addressing that. But then things got really kind of hairy during church history, so people were really getting involved. And yes, you have to have faith in the Lord, but you have to do a lot of other things. And an entire religion has sprung up, and it's a very prominent religion. Now, if you take that concept of that religion in the world today, they'll say it's all over the world and it goes like this. You have the Jews, you have the Muslims pretty much, and then you have the Christians. So anybody that has Christ in their religion anywhere, they would be called Christianity. Well, then you have what is known as the Reformation. When they're reforming, going back to the original teaching of a message of salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ kind of coming against that wave of false teaching that said, yes, it's faith in Christ, but a lot of other things you've got to do, which usually would be religious rituals. And the person who really brought that out was someone who was steeped in that religion, and he struggled with it, and he realized that, no, it's by faith alone. So he tried to stay in that religion, even as a leader in that religion, but he couldn't fight it, so he had to get out of that religion and nail the thesis to the door in Wittenberg, and his name was Martin Luther. Martin Luther. And so he then made it clear that going to heaven was by faith alone, going back to the clear teaching of Scripture, taken from the book of Romans, the Magna Carta of the faith. But then he got to the book of James where it said here again that, you know, faith without works is dead. So he said, I really can't believe that that's in the canon of Scripture. He called James the veritable epistle of straw. So he kind of discounted James, unfortunately. And who am I? but I look at Martin Luther, the great theologian, as he was, he really did miss the mark because he didn't understand the greatest teaching of James and how it really does fit together and how important that it really is. Now, when you look at the writings of Paul, because he was the one that wrote Romans and so many other New Testament books, just slamming us with the faith alone message, and then you see with James, you have to understand a little bit about the audiences and to whom they were speaking. You'll see Paul in Galatians chapter 2, Paul wrote this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He wrote, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And then you got the other guy, James, saying, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So here's the big question. You've got Paul and you've got James Who's right? And here's my answer to that. They actually are both right. Now, I know that sounds like a contradiction, but it's not the case at all. You'll notice I put down two columns of information so you could see that they're approaching two different enemies of the truth. And they're going to use the word works often, and he's going to put it in the proper context. Follow along and maybe jot down your own notes. Paul was dealing with the Jewish laws. There were people that believed that you had to keep the Ten Commandments in order for you to have a right relationship with God. In fact, there is a religion today that's out that talks about keeping the Sabbath. That's part of the Ten Commandments. And if you don't keep the Sabbath holy and worship on the Sabbath, then you won't have eternal life. And so again, you still see that same battle going on, not only during the days of Martin Luther and days of the New Testament with Paul, but even today. Now, James says he's not attacking that issue of the law getting us to heaven, but he's now talking about the Christian lifestyle, and he's talking about laxity. So while Paul was talking about laws, James was talking about laxity, where people said, yeah, you believe in Christ, but then go ahead and do everything that the world does. It doesn't matter. Jesus is our Savior. Go out and live the way the world does. You don't have to change. You don't have to be different. It's not necessary that you have to be holy, And so he's now going to speak that if you have trusted Christ as Savior, you do need to demonstrate that faith by your lifestyle. Paul then goes on to say that salvation has a root. The root is found in Christ. But then from that root, James is saying, yes, the root is faith alone, but... Now you need to have the fruit. And the outward sign of your faith in Christ will be the deeds that you do. So Paul says it happens on the inside. James says on the outside. Paul says what you can't see is your faith in Christ because that's done personally. James says no, your faith now needs to be seen. Not to get to heaven, but because you are going to heaven and you want the world to be able to see that inward act of faith. Paul goes on to say how you could know that you're a Christian. By faith alone in Christ. And James says that's true, but now you need to show that you're a Christian by the deeds that you do. Paul says it's how you become a Christian, by placing your faith alone in Christ. And again here, James says, yes, but it's also by behaving as a Christian, not to become a Christian. So if you have that in your mind as we go through this passage, it'll help you understand a little bit of the complexity of it all, but yet still how you could understand it. If I could sum it up in just three verses connected together, which often are the hallmark verses of salvation, it would be none other than Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9, and then tagged on to that, brings it all together in balance, verse 10. And here's what you would read. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith for a life of good works that God has already prepared for us to do. Now you see three words that have a preposition in front of it. The first word is the word grace. So it's by grace. The second is the word faith or through faith. And then the next would be for good works. Now notice the order. God bestows his grace upon us. We don't deserve to go to heaven. We could never earn our way to heaven. God says, I'll get you into heaven by my grace, not by anything you do. Then it's through faith. In Jesus Christ is the object now that gets our sins forgiven, gets us a home in heaven, and we become a Christian. So God graces. Then comes the faith. But after the faith now, we realize that we now are saved for good deeds. Now watch this very carefully. Do not get those out of order. We don't do things to get God's grace. It is not faith and works that gets us into heaven. It is after we've trusted Christ as Savior, now we do those good works. How often have you heard me try to explain... This phrase that I know I'm going to heaven, not by anything that I've done. I trusted Christ. So now I choose to do good work, not to get saved, not to stay saved, but I do good works now because I am saved. My life now that I want to manifest to others is the life of Christ. And I want to live it with good works as a way now not to get into heaven, but a lifestyle of telling the Lord and the world. Thank you. So my good life, hopefully, is a thank you card to the world for what Jesus Christ has already done. And I can't say thank you unless I have something for which to be thankful. And I'm thankful that God's grace and his blood that Jesus shed for me on the cross would grant me the forgiveness of all my sin. So my good works is an outward sign of an inward deed that I have done. And that's very, very important for us to understand. Well, in this passage, I'm hoping that I can show you four things of what real faith is not like and then the fifth one of what it is like. So let's go on this journey quickly together. So real faith or authentic faith is not just something that you say. Look at the verse. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So merely saying that you're a Christian does does not mean that you're a Christian. It has to be an authentic Genuine faith alone in Christ. Now here's a couple phrases you might want to put together. You can be a possessor of Christ, but maybe not a professor. Possessor means I have Christ, but I'm not telling people about Christ. You should be. Then there are those people that can profess Christ, but they're not authentic possessors of Christ. In other words, they can speak the lingo, but they don't make the bingo. They're the ones that they know the right words because they've been around it long enough and they want to appeal to the listeners to make them think that they are a Christian, probably to go on in that relationship. Let me suggest to you three times that people will often profess Christ, but not truly possess Christ. They'll say they're a Christian, but really not. Here's the first time. It often happens in families where the the heritage is deeply Christian but the next generation is not. So kids learn the lingo often by going to church and Sunday school and special clubs and hearing mom and dad speak about it, going to Christian camps. So pretty soon the young person can talk about Jesus is my savior and all of that, but they haven't really authentically trusted Christ. Perhaps some of you might know of people like that, that now are grown and have totally abandoned the faith. I don't mean had a bad hair day. I'm talking about a complete lifestyle that they are living in denigration of God and everything that it has to say. Ted Turner grew up in somewhat of a Christian environment and went to a Christian school. And now he's one of the many vocal people against authentic Christianity. I can't judge his salvation, but I can wonder... Is he a professor knowing the lingo? Something happened when he was a kid, but he never truly possessed Christ. And that's why moms and dads, it'd be really good to begin to penetrate into the mind and thinking of your kids and allow them, or create rather, an environment where they feel safe to come to you when they struggle with Christianity and their belief system. So they can come to an authentic conclusion that it is faith alone in Christ and then choose to put their faith in Christ. Here's the second type of person that will profess Christ ...but not possess Christ. We who are pastors, obviously, were called upon to do a lot of, of weddings. And sometimes we'll have a, a, a fiancé and the mate, but they have those two who come in front of you. And it's often this way, and I don't want to marginalize, but statistically, at least in my world, as small as it is... ...the girl loves the Lord with all of her heart, is an authentic, blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ... And she's got a guy now because she's at a certain stage in her life and the, the, the pickings are a little bit slim and this guy isn't a bad guy. He's not a serial killer or something. He doesn't wear you know face jewelry and tattoos all over his head and he's got lightning bolts shaved on his forehead. You know, he's a normal looking guy, has a good job, cares for people, etc., But he wants to marry her so badly and she set her flag up for her standards so high that she would only marry a Christian. And by the way, that is not an unrealistic standard. That is a biblical requirement that Christians ought not to marry someone who is not a blood-bought, born-again. It talks about the two cannot be unequally yoked together. I don't want to add to Scripture, but I think I could massage that a little bit more to say even a Christian shouldn't marry another Christian. A Christian should only marry another dedicated Christian. But let's get back to this point. And so they can talk the talk to kind of do all the sweet talk to that person and the other person is so wanting to hear some bit of conversion thing that might go on that they'll jump at that. So we can say we're a Christian but doesn't mean that we really are. Now here's one that's a little bit more easier for you to probably see. And that would be people that are on television or in movies and they happen to to speak about Christianity and they'll talk about going to heaven is by faith in Christ or Jesus died for sin or he's the savior or be saved by faith in Christ or have a relationship with the Lord. So they can talk the lingo, the actors and actresses read the script, but that doesn't mean they have truly embraced Christ as their personal savior. And so that's why here at this church, just because there might be a movie star, a musician, or somebody that's real special that all of a sudden starts talking about they've got some faith in Christ, we don't hand them the microphone. I don't pray them up in front of you to share their testimony because it might need a little bit more time for their faith to settle to a steadfastness or at least be revealed is it real or not or they just know the right lingo or something happened and something religious happened and Jesus is in there somewhere but it's not an authentic trusting of Christ as Savior. So all the bumper stickers that you put on your card will not make you a Christian stating that you're a Christian. All the the Jesus junk and jewelry and all the different kind of T-shirts that you wear, as great as that might be to be a witness, does not necessarily mean that you are a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ. So it needs to be authentic faith. Well, Let's go to number two. Real faith is not just something we say, but it's also not something that you just feel. And this is found in verses 15 through 17. It says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There are a lot of people today that will confuse emotions with authentic faith. They can jump up and down, clap their hands, they can have a quiver in their liver, they can have chicken skin, they can do whatever they want, but just the emotional experience of something that happens to them does not necessarily mean it was an authentic conversion experience. One of the ways that we can demonstrate outwardly what happened inwardly is not so much that we sing all the right worship songs or necessarily that we attend all the services. It's what we do to reach out with other people. Remember our main thought here is that our intimacy with the Lord will fuel our outreach with the Lord. You cannot be intimate with the Lord if you're not connecting to the Lord God's way, which is by faith alone in Christ. Now when you do that, that begins your journey of intimacy. Carol and I will be married 41 years. I can tell you we are far more intimate, I'm not talking about the other issue, but closeness and communication today than we were 40 years ago then. It's taken some time. However, I can tell you this, I know that I know that I know that I am authentically married. And I don't care whether I wear a ring here or here. No, 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 no matter where I am, I, I am married, okay? I said it right, signed the papers, it's a done deal. But I'm closer and more intimate with her today. It's not based on feelings, because some days, <laughs> Carol doesn't feel so well being married to me, <laughs> all right? It goes back to the fact says it, I believe it, It's all real. And so that's true. I'm reminded of this comic strip strip where Charlie Brown is with Linus, and they're looking out through this window that's got all this steam and fog on it, and they're peering out where the snow is swirling around Snoopy in front of his doghouse, and there's an empty dog bowl out there. And So Charlie Brown looks at Linus and says, you know, we need to go do something. So he goes outside into the snow, and he comes up to Snoopy and says, hey, Snoopy, be of good cheer, and they go back into the house again. There are a lot of Christians that will do that. Some of the ways that we demonstrate our faith is by what we do on the outside. Now, I want you to be very careful. God does not call us to be fruit inspectors. I know the verses you will know them by their fruit. You need to take that back into context. That's talking about another time in history. It's not talking about us. So I don't look at you. And just because you live right, oh, they must be a Christian because they carry the right Bible They do all of this stuff. So outwardly, you might have all the trappings of it. That does not indicate that you're a true Christian. Here's why. Those of you that live on this island know that there is a heavy presence, especially on the North Shore, of a particular belief system that in that belief system, they're very pro-family. They're very pro-right living. They truly make some of the best employees you'll ever have. They're very careful about what they do with their body, what they wear, what they drink, what they eat, how they conduct themselves, how they live out their form of their religion. And I think you know where I'm going with this. So if I really looked at them and I interacted with them, they'll drop the name of Jesus in the conversation quickly. Quickly. They'll drop in all the Christian things like pro-family and this, that, and the other, which is all great. But if you could peel back the center of their heart, it will not be a by faith alone, in Christ alone belief. It will be Christ is the mighty God, but you have the almighty God. Christ is important, and his word is inspired, but so is this writing, equally inspired, and sometimes more important and more relevant for today than God's word. And they'll embrace that. So you can't just look at how a person feels or how they look to determine whether they're a Christian. It's got to be inside. Now, when you hear that, you're saying, so since it doesn't matter how we look, whether we do it or not, I'm going to go ahead and live as I please. God doesn't say that. He just says, don't be someone else's fruit inspector. But for us, though, we need to be walking clean with the Lord. And that's why this passage is so important. Look at 1 John three seventeen. It says, if anyone has material possessions, and then he sees his brother in need... But he has no pity on him. How can he love God or how can the love of God be inside of him? So some are better at verbalizing their faith than practicing it. And God wants us to practice our faith. So real faith is not saying the right things and it's not feeling the right things. It's demonstrating it out. But number three, real faith is not just something you think. It's not just a mental thing. And here's what you'll read. It says, but someone will say... You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. That's an interesting passage of scripture, but it's really kind of showing the debates going on here. An intellectual trip is happening. I'm into works and you're into faith. So let's talk about this thing. you got your faith and I'll be tolerant of it. And I have my works. You be tolerant of me. So you go your way. I go my way. That's okay. There are people that are probably going to listen to this message today and say, boy, that pastor is all jazzed up on something. He's making much ado about nothing. It really doesn't matter whether you have faith in Christ or you do good works, you have faith and works. It doesn't matter as long as we all end up in the same place, which is heaven. As long as we're sincerely going up this mountain, it doesn't matter which path that we really take. I shared this before, but it's such a great illustration. Curtis Hudson, who is now home to be with the Lord, a former postman, who fell in love with the Lord and pastored one of the greatest churches in Georgia. He said, you remember when he first got saved, he lived out his Christianity, even in the postal system. Now, he didn't jump up and down and put tracks in everybody's mailboxes, but he lived a life. And one lady said, you know what? Going to heaven is just like going to the post office. You can go to the post office, taking the boulevard. You can take the the street over here. You can come in the back. It doesn't really matter. All these streets over here, they'll all get you to the post office. That's just like going to heaven. He said, the only problem is... None of those streets will get you to heaven. They'll just get you to the post office. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So real faith in front of others needs to be visible. Now the Lord is so gracious. Here's a phrase, biblical, scripture. God looks upon the heart. Man looks on the outward. We believe in the Lord with our heart. It's an inward thing. Now we manifest it. By what we do outwardly, we don't do it the two to go together. They're separated, and so this whole debate over it's by works, grace and works separate. It, it does matter. It is by faith alone. And those of you who are new, jot this down. Those of you who have seen this illustration, please use it. It's a wonderful way when you want to confirm what a person is doing to trust Christ. Door number one, door number two, door number three. It's almost like, what's what's that TV? Let's make a deal or something. All right, door one, door two, door three. Follow with me. Door number one, if you open this door, will you open up and be in heaven? On the outside of that door, it says good deeds. Draw the second door. You open up that door, will that door open up into heaven? On this door, the label says faith in Christ and good deeds. You go to the third door, open up that door, Will that get you into heaven. On that door is a sign that says faith in Jesus Christ. So this one says good deeds. This one says faith in good deeds. This one says faith alone. All right, so you have three doors. Now, when you're talking to someone and you're maybe at lunch or at a restaurant, grab that napkin, pull out a pen, draw three doors, show it in front of them. And then you then write on those doors, good works, faith in good works, or is it faith alone? Then you tell them, check the door that they think they would walk through, but they only have the choice of one door.